may think you know all the major players who make up Phil Mickelson's team, but there's one guy you likely don't know. That would be Callaway Senior Club Performance Analyst, Garrett Pond. Garrett, thanks for chopping on the pod. Hey, happy to be with you. How's it going? Going good. Hey, so Senior Club Performance Analyst, that's a title that makes me think you spend your days crunching numbers about club performance. <laughs> but I know there's a lot more to your job than that. Uh, an important part, which is uh, you are the uh, the personal club builder for, for Phil Mickelson. How in the world uh, did that come about? Yeah, so I've, I've been at Callaway now for about 11 years and working down here at our, our test center for a little over eight, uh, almost nine years now. And when I came down here, I, I got the job uh, with with the understanding that I was going to be a fitter like I had been uh, for a few years, but also a club builder. And I didn't actually have really any club building experience. Um, and uh, I knew that I was going to be building clubs for, for tour players and in particularly was going to become Phil Mickelson's club builder. Um, a lot of the guys out there on tour seem to like having one, one person have their hands on their clubs. Uh, you kind of build a, a, a relationship with, with the builder that way and, and an understanding on how they build, how they measure, um, so a lot of guys are, are like that. And Phil being the the local, uh, you know, San Diego guy, um, likes to get all his stuff done here at our test center. So as, as the old builder left the company, I got hired as the new one. Um, so I had to go through a, a decent amount of training um, before uh, they released me to the fire and started building for tour players that rolled through the test center. Um, so there was a little bit of a learning curve, um, but, and I still learn a little bit all the time actually about, um, you know, building clubs, but, uh, it's been a good experience, uh, working with Phil and we had, uh, the opportunity to work for numerous other players, build, building clubs for, for them while they're down here testing. So it's a fun time. Do you remember the first time you met Phil? You know, the first time I met him, I was actually not working at Callaway. Uh, I was working at the Bridges in Rancho Santa Fe, which is a, a, a high-end country club. He's a member there. And um, I met him there uh, while I was working in college. And we used to talk about um, the Chargers mostly when, when we'd kind of briefly uh, run into each other in uh, at the club there. And big, big football fan. Um, and then... Uh, I can remember the very first time I had to um, modify a, a driver for him. I got um, his driver in my hands, and at the time we did not have adjustable hosels, so to 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 change the loft or change the lie angle, um, we'd have to put uh, the drivers into uh, a big mold that would stick the the hosel out of the top of it, and you'd literally bend it with a crowbar, sort of like you bend the loft and lie on an iron. And I had it in the uh, the device, and he's literally right over my shoulder going, did you do it? Did you do it? And I'm trying to bend this thing. And, the, and at the time, those were kind of easy to break, you know, because you're trying to bend a piece of titanium, which is a little uh, not quite as flexible or pliable as steel is. So it made me a little bit nervous doing that, but we got it done. It's the most nerve-wracking experience, I would imagine, having Phil Mickelson over your shoulder uh, as you're as you're trying to to modify a golf club, yeah, and that's that's a, a a club that he's expecting to take to like a tournament in a couple of days too. So you never want to break a guy's uh, gamer um, right before an event. So it was a little nerve wracking. How, how long did it take for you to to build up uh, a trust level with Phil, where 
you know, if, if you had a suggestion or he, you just knew that Phil didn't have to worry about what you were doing anymore and, and he kind of trusted you to, to just get the job done? I think he trusts me pretty well now, but I, I would say it, it took a little bit of time before, uh, um, you know, that was the case, at least a year or two. What's the one thing about Phil's clubs, if you told somebody that was a total gear nerd, that it would surprise him? Probably the most surprising thing is that his drivers historically have more draw bias than than a uh, than pretty much any other tour player. Not always the case. Not not in his current drivers, I don't think. But um, that would be uh, historically um, true. And just just because he's trying to kind of hit like a like a slinging draw, it, is that the, probably the reason why? Well, his tendency on hit location um, trends a little bit more into the heel. So we put the center of gravity a little bit more in the heel so that the center of gravity offset at impact isn't as great so that he would hit the ball a little bit straighter. In almost 10 years that you've been working with Phil on his clubs, what's the what's changed the most about his build setup? Not a whole lot. You know, he's, he's always uh, had a fairly similar set makeup, pretty strong lofted three wood that he can hit a long way off the tee. Um, drivers uh, typically set up for, for maximum ball speed. Um, 64 degree lob wedge, um, smaller headed irons in his shorter irons and, and typically some, some type of more of an oversized or, or better distance type iron for the, for the longer irons. I'm glad you brought up the 64 degree wedge. Cause that kind of ties into my next question, which, you know, Phil's obviously a magician with his wedges, but what's the process like building a 60 or 64 is is it pretty standard or or is there anything about Phil's wedges that that makes his different than than your standard build uh nowadays his current uh pm grind short for uh, Phil Mickelson obviously that's his uh that's his wedge that we've designed with him uh, um and it's it's pretty much um as simple as taking his shaft length grip and and gluing that onto that head there's no need for uh special customization um other than that that's not that wasn't always the case um the first pm grind wedge um we took what we thought we wanted in the wedge and over some trial and error started to incorporate some of the things that are in the new pm grind um through grinding on the sole and bending of offset and uh, and changing the lie angles and so forth. Um, so there, it used to be a lot more um, kind of artisan work trying to get his wedges exactly the way he, he wanted them. Whereas now uh, he seems to be uh, happy the way they are right off the shelf, which is kind of nice because he's going to get the same thing every single time. How often are, are you guys talking about trying out different builds? You know, because I heard that Phil kind of pops into – the performance center on a, on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, he come he comes by a lot. He doesn't do as much testing here um, because it's pretty easy for him to pop by, pick up a club. He can do some testing uh, at home or on, on the course um, courses that he plays here in town, and he seems to get the best uh, feedback on how the clubs perform when he's out on the course rather than than on a range. Um, but he uh, he definitely is always thinking about. Uh, trying to get better. I, I can remember times um, several years back, like over the holidays where there's not a tournament for weeks 
and uh, he'll he's called me you know eight or nine o'clock at night saying he's got some 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 pretty cool ideas for a fairway wood for next year so he he's always thinking about trying to get better and i think that's one of the things that that makes him great is is his drive uh to be great who else do you get phone calls from eight, eight or nine o'clock at night when it comes to club builds since you do work with the other tour players just some of my golf nerd friends that's about it <laughs> Well, that kind of it's actually a perfect way to to go into my next question, which was just you know everyone thinks Phil is a mad scientist who's constantly trying to come up with new club ideas to to get better. Is is the persona a bit overblown, or or is or is he kind of that guy who is just constantly trying to come up with like the most outlandish ideas for hey, what about this? What about that? Yeah, I think I think that's a fairly accurate representation. He's always um, trying to be creative on ways to get better with. Obviously, the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach being on tap, the the first thing that always comes to mind when you mention Phil Mickelson and his golf clubs is just all the different setups he's used over the years. You know, Frankenwood, two drivers, no driver, five wedges. Uh, if if you all are kind of starting a dialogue about maybe trying a different club or tweaking something for a major, how early before the major do you start that dialogue? Probably not more than than the season prior. Um, and it's usually either something specific for the setup to hit out of the rough or something specific for the setup to hit off the tee or something specific to use around the greens. Those are kind of the, the, uh, the three key areas that you'll sort of focus a certain club for uh, a major. Uh, there was one time, however, where I remember, I think one of the years he, he put an extra wedge in at Augusta and I said, what, what club are you going to take out? I think he said it was a five iron that he was taking out. And I said, that's not a, you don't think you're going to need any five irons? And he goes, no, man, there's no five irons at Augusta. And he, he took me through every single hole and um, told me the, the clubs that he hits off the tee and into the greens uh, from the various uh, tee boxes and pin locations, wind conditions. He said, there's no five irons. And I thought that was really uh, interesting to, to know a course and to know your own game as well as he knows uh, both of those things to know that wh- wh- with you know certainty he's not going to hit that one specific club at all so he can take it out of the bag. How many times has Phil made a club change since you've been working with him where you're a lot where you said wow I, I didn't see that coming or it's maybe something you you worked on you know months maybe prior and it, it kind of resurfaces and, and it just maybe surprises you a little bit. That happens quite a bit. It doesn't seem like I'm surprised by any of the stuff he does now um, because he's uh, he's so much the type of guy where y- you never know what he's going to do. Um, but a lot of the times I'll make up clubs for, uh, for him. Pretty much everything that we make that might have a chance of working okay for him, um, I'll, I'll make it for him, and then it, I'll kind of leave it up to him uh, when he's in the mood to test certain things, or, or I like to have some things for him. If he feels like he wants to tinker a little bit, I'll have some things ready for him. Um, and then uh, he might take them and hit them, or he might take them and not hit them. He might leave them here at the test center, and then it could be weeks, months, years later, all of a sudden he's he's playing with them uh, right now he's using some of our epic irons which is a good example of that um i thought uh, that would be a good iron for him and his long iron a long time ago um 
uh, I think in the four iron. And then um, I said, you know, I better make him some of these other irons just in case. And, and um, he's used almost a whole set of those at times this season even. So that, that's a, an iron that uh, is not typical um, for a tour player, but it's working really good for him right now. So that's a pretty good example of, um, you know, him putting something in his bag that's kind of surprising. When did you all start kind of working on adding different irons to the bag? Because, you know, for a while during Phil's career, he used um, pretty much just the same version throughout his entire set. And then he re- it looked like he really started to get um, serious about trying other other irons. I mean, as you mentioned, just kind of maybe throwing a single version of, of one model in the bag. Yeah, he's been doing that at least for the last few seasons. It, it, it's usually um, something for the four iron. Um, to either be able to hit a certain distance off the tee um, um, that he can't get out of out of the four iron that might he might be using in his shorter clubs, um, so I think that kind of just progressed to maybe uh, investigating you know you know some of the other lofts as well. Right now he's using um, um, the epic irons. He really likes the spin rates he gets with with those versus some of the other irons we make. And in particular, the consistency of spin that he gets, whether he's hitting from the rough or from the uh, from the fairway, he feels like the the yardage that the ball flies is um, more similar from the fairway and from the rough with that club than any of our other irons that he's hitting right now. So let's talk Frankenwood here for a second because that's one of the clubs I, I think a lot of a lot of gearheads always want to discuss. Uh, mainly because it was a club that Phil wanted to use at Augusta and it was a complete one-off. What do you remember about being a part of that whole process? What what sticks out to you about uh, being there when, when Frankenwood was being created? Well, I didn't have as much to do with the creation of that project. That was uh, some of the engineers that, that um, kind of really uh, tested their abilities to put something together uh, as quickly as, as they did. They didn't have the, the typical lead time to try and get that club um, ready and it kind of uh, tested our prototyping abilities here in Carlsbad. Um, but I just remember what his goal was. His goal um, was to have a driver that allowed him to swing the same uh, as his three wood and hit it farther than his three wood. So typically, um, if you swing your driver the exact same as you hit your three wood, you're hitting down on the ball a little bit. Um, which at the time was a way that he felt like he hit the ball really, really straight. But if you take a, a typical driver and you hit down on it, you don't launch the ball um, up with as low a spin. So he wanted a driver. He said, just build me a driver just like this three would. So that's essentially what we did. We made, we made a driver um, constructed the same way as a three would. Uh, the same material, you know, so it wasn't uh, all titanium or ti- titanium and carbon. It was a steel driver um, with the uh, the same technology, the cup-faced uh, design, which is um, how we're trying to achieve more ball speed, um, lowering the center of gravity. We put all those things into this into this driver, and um, you know gave it driver loft instead of fairway wood loft. So I just remember kind of being there, hearing what what his goal was swing, swing the driver the same way as the three would and hit it as straight as the three would, but farther. Was, was there ever a point? Cause I know that it was a pretty quick turnaround on that club where, where 
and I know you're the guy who's who's building the club that that you thought, man, I don't know if they can get this all done in time. No, not really. Um, I was pretty pretty impressed with their ability to uh, take take a concept, uh, prototype it, and then um, get it in his hands and and, and reproduce it a few times to where uh, they could get one fine tuned for him. What is the wildest creation that you and Phil have discussed that? has never seen the light of day because I'm sure there's got to be a few that, that that you all have kicked around where you're like, yeah, it, it's, it sounds great, but there, but there's no way. You know, we, we tend to uh, do what we can for Phil. So most of the stuff that uh, he's been serious enough to, to want to pursue, we'll do. The Frankenwood's a good example of that. So um, the wedge that he's using right now, um, the PM grinds, a totally different looking wedge compared to most of the clubs um, that are out there in the marketplace um, you know we we made that for him and it actually got to be so popular that that's one of our better selling wedges out there right now and it's popular to the point where uh, um, some of the other manufacturers have, have come out with a similar product so if it's a crazy it sounds kind of like a crazy idea it's it's there's a pretty good chance that it it's at least been made for him would you say that Frank Wood's probably the wildest creation that that Phil's ever put in the bag yeah that's probably safe to say I can't think of anything um you know less uh out there than that you know a, a fairway wood driver um that's different especially this day and age where all the drivers are are you know double the size so I remember I remember Bones used to get a veto when uh, when there was that was there, there was a shot that Phil absolutely uh, he did not want him to hit. Uh, have you ever at, at one point had not, maybe not a veto, but but said, "Hey Phil, I, I'm not quite sure about this." I mean, you mentioned the fact that kind of it, everything goes, but has there ever been a moment where you've you've kind of been like, "Eh, I don't know about that." No, not really. I mean, he he's not he's not going to ask me as far as the club building goes to do anything that's. Too, or at least he hasn't yet, too out, out of the, uh, the realm of what makes sense. If you weren't a club builder uh, working at Callaway, what, what would you be doing? Or what do you think you would be doing? I'd, I'd be uh, switching gears quite a bit probably. I always wanted to uh, follow in my uh, family's footsteps and run a uh, real estate office which uh, is what I ended up down here in San Diego in the first place for to go to college. I went through uh, the real estate finance program at uh, San Diego State. And uh, right when I was graduating, I graduated college in 2006. It was a pretty bad time to uh, try and get involved with real estate. And uh, I had a golf background and met the current CEO of, uh, of Callaway right as I graduated. And he kind of opened some doors for me here at Callaway. And Kind of the rest is history. I've had a, had a great time being here. You mentioned the fact that when you came to Callaway, you didn't really have any any building experience. How how long did it take for you to to get comfortable building golf clubs? To get fairly comfortable, I would say it took you know a couple of months, safe to say, and to to get to where I felt like I I am an expert at it. Probably took a couple of years of doing it every day. You learn a lot. Uh, um, you know, every time you do it, what uh, what works well, what uh, what you can do, uh, what things affect uh, other things in the golf club, what what 
one change causes a change to another part of the club, things like that. So it takes a while to learn all those things, but the basics of it, it's not as complicated, not as complicated as uh, I guess I wish it could be. That was great. Thank you for doing this. No problem, John.